0: Who's talking us in? You, well, apparently you are apparently me. I am talking us <laughs> in. I thought we
1: established this.
0: Look, look, I have the look, big. We words all got our visual
2: it. things now. We're on video. Oh, <sighs> oh wow. Anna's got her cat. I've got my branding. Does anybody want a sticker?
0: I got Captain Kirk. Um, so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, <clears throat> I see the resemblance already.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, stop it! <laughs> stop it!
2: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it doesn't get old. Okay.
1: <laughs> what are we talking about today, Trip? Uh, we were
0: talking. Uh, well, I forgot the, the lead in how these things are connected. <laughs> there's a thousand. Okay. I got you, it. You I got talking it. about there's a thousand. Oh no 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 no! no. I, I got I've got it! I've got, got it. thousands. Got it.
1: Okay. Thousands. Just thousands.
0: You guys ready? Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Don't look at me, Anna.
1: <laughs> Was that your Hans impression, Larry?
2: Right. Yeah. Right. They're here to pump you up. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Hey there. Welcome to the Brave New Workforce. My name is Tripp O'Dell, and I am joined as ever by my intrepid co-host, Anna Kodina and Larry Cornett. How are you guys doing?
1: Hey, hey. I'm going to
2: wave so they know who's who. There okay. There we go. I'm
0: Larry. So I'm a little nervous. Did you guys see this week that... uh Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen are coming out with a new podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, so I heard. So I heard. That's it? Heard? that's a little oh. bit of competition. Uh, we should tweet at them and make sure wish them well. Uh, you know, we're <laughs> we're inviting the the competition. But uh, man, podcasting is hustling. It's hard. You know, this is something that we do in our free time. Yeah. We've all got day jobs, um, and it used to be kind of a bigger deal. I mean, now you've got the the uh, is it the fun house or what's the, what's the, what's the, <laughs> clubhouse? Thing? the clubhouse? We've tried it. We've tried it a couple of the times. Clubhouse. Yes. People, people talk a lot. The, I mean, it's the talk, Twitter
2: spaces as they yeah. say,
0: talk is cheap. Um, but that's Don't happening you know. across. And it's been happening for a long time. We talk about like the digital, they talk about the convergence and all these other things, all these, mm-hmm. you know, it's happened to the music industry with first the iTunes music store and then Spotify, and photography, you know, it used to be, when I taught photography, you had to be careful about, you had to be more intentional about how you took pictures or oh yeah, art, video games, movies, there's nothing that can't be pirated. So right. what's happening? What does that mean? Like, doesn't that put a lot of people out of work? And that's really what we're going to talk about today is this notion of a post-scarcity economy in a world where talk is cheap, creativity is cheap, tech is cheap, everything's about automation. What happens when the economy can clip along just fine without a significant portion of the the people working? So what do you guys think of that? It's a nice, uplifting, light topic for today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast how um, AI and, you know, the the increase of um, capitalism, uh, I don't know, Discontent is You're gonna
0: get us on a list. You're doing no. this from Central America. <laughs> no. Let's not say let's Discontentment not say Discontentment
1: and uh, coups are trigger let, words.
0: Let's no, let's, <laughs> let's not put the, you, the capitalist
1: The so uh, when, the algorithm is going to <laughs>
0: Well when people I mean when people start talking us. talking about things like universal basic income, right? Or you know people getting left behind in the economy. You know, mm-hmm. they immediately start busting out old school labels like capitalism or socialism or communism yes. or these isms. Yes. But I think in a lot of ways where the pandemic has kind of broken the old school industrial economy, in many ways, the internet has broken. We broke it first. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things happening right now and, and there's some interesting things happening. Um, you know, like Larry, you were telling us about some of the really interesting things that are talking about, like how is this new stuff, this the thing, what were you calling them? The
2: Well, the NFTs. NFTs. What's an yeah. NFT? An NFT is a non-fungible token. So it's it's an interesting reaction, I think, to exactly what you're talking about, that we went through a model of physical scarcity where things were hard to produce, getting published was extremely hard, creating a movie was hard. And then we shifted into the digital world where it got a lot easier and it's continuing to get really easy, very approachable. Like you said, thousands and thousands of people are starting podcasts over the last year and now everything can be copied. I mean, everybody, well, maybe maybe some folks are too young to remember Napster, but being able to essentially share music with anyone in the world for no cost and the music industry had a horrible time with it. And it has, it's hurt a lot of industries. And I think the movie industry got hurt you know netflix it's streaming all that kind of stuff and now there is blockchain got introduced and there's the ability to say something digital can be unique i think there's been a reaction to the digital world to say if everything could be copied and endlessly replicated then how does anything have value and and that's been the problem and so blockchain and then bitcoin introduced this concept of scarcity and it's artificial scarcity but what's funny about that is like, if we all decide something has value, then it does. And people are like, but the, the currency of the US is based on the gold standard. It's like, is it really? <laughs> do, we, do we have enough gold to back up our currency?
0: Well, and, I mean, and we haven't for a long time. I mean, yeah, they, they exactly. changed that over decades ago. But the the, the thing with it's that, that notion of scarcity, I mean, that's kind of the basics of supply and demand. You know, yeah. if, if things are rare, they're more expensive.
1: It's not even the, right. um, for the U.S. currency. I mean, they're just been the worldwide currency. And so it's a lot of people on a global perspective see see a lot of value to that. Because the U.S. dollar, um, and I know people will debate me on this, but the U.S. dollar historically has been seen as a stable currency. And it has been if you consider, you know, Venezuela's money or Zimbabwe's money. Uh, even the Costa Rican Cologne is kind of, it's seen as if you get paid in dollars in this country, it's way, way better than getting paid in colonists um, because over time- I was,
0: I was imagining bottles, like people are trading. It's like, oh, good job. I, I thought you said We're cologne. Not- no, it's not like <laughs> bottles of cologne. I was like, Costa Rican cologne. Tell me more about that. But yes.
1: Colonists, yes. Yeah. Um, named after Christopher Columbus, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you need a history lesson, but um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. And so, I mean, but we, we all put value on these certain things, but where is the actual value? I mean, in, in Denmark or the Netherlands, they had the tulip crisis where they were literally buying, trading large financial things that you, that people needed for tulips that died. And I feel like the history, the psychology behind the human nature of how we see things or how we value things has not changed from X amount of years ago till now. I mean, Bitcoin. There's a lot of value in Bitcoin because of the scarcity piece, but if you look at the data piece or the technology piece, it's it's old. It's old money. Um, it's it's inefficient money. Really, it's expensive.
0: Well, the really scary things is since the United States changed over from the gold standard to uh essentially using our gross domestic product or our GDP as a way to measure how the business, it's, it's all about productivity. Americans being like working more hours in the world and that we're incredibly productive in terms of like what our economy produces. But mm-hmm. when a lot of your economy is based on technology and that, that software can, I mean, that's why software companies are so valuable as you build it once and it just keeps adding value. What are you really building anymore? Um, what are you being productive with? Uh, there's a, there's an end point. So that kind of almost breaks that to an extent. And so it's interesting where people are, like Larry, you mentioned music. A lot of musicians are making money by touring rather than, they're, they're almost are yeah, Isn't flipped. that funny? Yeah. yeah they, they had to go back to touring. And they're selling merch because you were yeah. at the show and you could buy the merch. It was
2: rare. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of, I, you know, it's like everything, the pendulum swings. And so I think we went from scarcity to no scarcity and now we're creating scarcity again. And we've talked about this before where it's like starting to think small again and people are wanting handcrafted goods. They don't want the mass produced stuff. They want to know who made the product that they're going to use. They want to know, and this is where I think it gets really interesting and exciting. They want to know the creator behind what they're consuming. They want to talk with the podcast host. They want to talk with the author. They want to join something like a Patreon where they can meet the artist and they can say, hey, if I pay this amount for this level, can I commission a work of art? Or could you include something about me in your next piece of art? By when the way, you folks, to do if, you,
0: if you want to watch Anna eat, uh, we're setting up a Patreon account. Uh, and oh. at the $5 <laughs> level, you can oh. watch her
2: eat ramen. <laughs> What's...
1: What? what? Ten dollars? You, you see
2: the cat? You get this. You, where? Where did oh your cat go? No. We're not making any. Oh.
1: No, you can't. You can't pit me out like that. I mean, <laughs> I will eat, but not for your monkey pleasures.
2: We're not selling anything. People are
0: patreoning us, or how does that? However, that works. But if they like <laughs> <Yeah>. our stuff. <sighs> oh
2: God. <laughs> yeah, anyway, move on. You, you get to on. eat ramen. It's, like, it's a way moving win. on. Yeah. No, I'm kidding.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it is a win-win cuz I do love my food, but still like
0: uh <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I don't mean know. they can they can log in. I mean, for they can just log in and watch me think and have my grumpy Shrek, Shrek face.
2: You know, I've got I've got uh <laughs> much Trim's more
1: Ru- much more scalable, I feel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So It's it is it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm trying to understand the implications because we've been looking at a workforce that, like you said, they're producing some kind of goods and services and they're getting paid for that. And now this creator economy is is rising up and finally becoming something significant. And so you're trying to figure out how do I attract an employee to come work for my company, especially if they're creative, if they can create something like they can write code or they can create art or they can write or they can create audio, if they can actually produce something. And if they're successfully able to grab an audience, why would they work for an employer ever again? So are your most talented people going to become essentially solo artists? I mean, why wouldn't they? I I just pulled up the Twitter, the, the tweet that was about this. Oh, it's crazy. So there's a creator, he's at Mad Dog Jones, great name. So he had an auction for this. It is really cool art. Um, he sold these tokenized animations of his Tokyo artwork. He only has 249,000 Instagram followers, which I say only <laughs> way more than I am. But anyway, he made $4 million in sales in nine minutes. <laughs> he made $4 million in nine minutes. Do you think Mad Dog's ever going to go work for a software company and, and do visual design for them ever again? But why would he?
0: It's not that different. I mean, so the here's the thing that I don't get with that. Right? This isn't a
2: new idea. So many things I don't get yeah, about. God, that. it's just it's like, like <laughs> let me put on my old man pants. Uh, he made more nine minutes than I've made my entire career. What the heck? Yeah, uh,
0: but but I mean that's been around for a long time. I mean, people have been so like my dad has this print. He was in the Marines when he retired from the Marines. He has a print from Joe Rosenthal's uh, original negative from Iwo Jima right now. It's, it's, it's a print on photo paper, you know, but it's not copied. It came from the real thing. And so it has some value to it. People buy old is Disney animation cells or, or animation cells from movies when they used to hand draw those things. Um, it's not that different, but you can't hang this stuff on the wall. Like why, why do you want to (laughs) pay for that?
2: Well, yeah, I, I'm learning. This old dog's trying to learn. So I've been following the communication threads and and they're like, why isn't it art? Does art have to be physical and tangible? Can art only exist in the real world where you can hang it on a wall? They're like, why? And I think the reason we've all assumed that because digital art, like we said, could be completely reproduced, copy pasted, is like, who cares? And I used to feel that way too. I'm slowly starting to see what they're talking about. But it used to be, it's like, why would I care if someone could grab that copy paste and then blast it as a meme across the internet? How does it have any value? And that's where the blockchain technology does come into play. And I think it's, it's incredibly interesting because I think what's different than the previous examples you were giving is like, you had to be part of some producer and distributor that gave you an audience. So being an illustrator for Disney gave you a massive audience. And it there had was, value.
1: There was a lot of gatekeeping.
2: A ton of gatekeeping. Now, Mad Dog, nobody's his gatekeeper. <laughs> Mad Dog creates something. Mad and people Dog's are like, off oh, the leash. They're like, that's cool. <laughs> and they share it with all their friends. And without a gatekeeper, without a distributor, without anybody's telling him he can, can or can't do it, he just made $4 million. And it's like, it's got to have big corporations and producing producers and and companies like Disney kind of shaking in their boots a little bit. It's like, uh oh, what if they don't need us anymore?
0: Well, I mean, this is also part of that. I mean, Larry, you've seen this uh, the the boom and bust cycle of things like Silicon Valley just yeah. at a massive scale. Um, you know, you yeah. go back to the early twentieth century and that sort of thing, where you had illustrators making lithographs, which were these mass produced posters and those posters, you know, that's like Toulouse or Latrec and all these guys, like their, their posters are incredibly valuable, but it was mass produced. It was seen as not art. It was commercial. Photography was the same way. And they were trying to figure out how that would become an art form. And you had people go in different directions with that. And so of course we would turn to somebody like, uh, uh, Gary Vandichak who is right about everything all the time, uh, just <laughs> can ask you, him.
1: Can we know? That's what I
2: heard. That's what I heard.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's out hey, there.
2: Well, he's not he's, hustling anymore. Right? He's bullish on the NFTs. He is. Yeah, so, he so is. what is what is
0: he what is he saying about them?
2: He has been. So, one of the things that he's really been into is uh, the card market, sports cards. And he's been making a ton of money doing that for the last few years. And he said, This seems like the next extension of that. Cause I feel the same way about (laughs) cards. I'm like trading cards, really. It's like printed on, you know, cardboard or stock paper, whatever that stuff is. And it's like that piece of paper has value. I guess, you know, it does when it's the only one of those, right?
1: Yeah. Pokemon cards. I mean, I have a ton of those that have uh, a lot of value. It's the
2: scarcity. It's like if there's only one of those. All of a sudden, that piece of paper isn't worth what the paper's worth. It's worth millions. It's it's insane. And he said, this is the next generation of that. Without blockchain, it wouldn't be possible. Well, Absolutely sort of, would not be possible. But
0: It's sort of like sneaker heads too. I mean, the people yeah, that are buying limited totally. edition Nikes. And I mean, it's it's ridiculous when you see guys that are, you know, came up from sort of sneaker swap meets in New York City getting covered in, in, in places like Business Insider, but it's the same (laughs) sort of of phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he's very bullish on it. Um, He said, pay attention to it. If you don't know about it, learn about it. I'm educating myself. I'm trying to learn about it. I'm starting to get it. You know, I I still think I've looked at some of the auctions. Some of that art is like, I don't care if it's one of a kind. I don't want it. (laughs) It's like, it still, it still has to speak to me. I mean, I don't collect art just for the sake of the art. You know, it's like I want something that actually I connect with. So I'm not going to buy a lot of that art. I don't care how rare and unique it is. It has to has to be something that I still think is wonderful and has value to me. But I, I get what they're saying. I see it coming. Um, it's going to be a whole sea change that I think our generation is still trying to come to grips with. I think even the younger generations, this is pretty new. So even younger generations, I was talking with some young folks that are Gen Z. And I said, what do you think about NFTs? And they're like, what are you talking about? And so they, there's a lot of people that don't know about NFTs. And so I, I think it's it's so new. Yeah. And Anna's talk, like 12. So talk, she talk to them
0: about, well, talk to them about Roblox, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, 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 like yeah. talk to them about, you know. like Well, that's like,
2: an interesting, you should talk about that a little bit, the platform and, and what well, they're I mean, at doing. In-game currencies. Uh, just,
0: okay, so when I was in graduate school, I studied with a guy that actually he was the foremost digital economist. This guy named Ted Castronova, and he studied like what the a in- great
1: name! What yeah, a vampire it
0: is, name! It is. Yes. <laughs> it's a long story, egg. but yes. Uh, so, but he's like, thank you for that. Yeah. Vampire but name. he was. Uh, he, he's still writing and that sort of thing. But he studied the way that people behave inside of video game worlds. And what they found was that they b- behave exactly like they do in the real world. An internal game economy works exactly like the economy yeah. in the real world. Yeah. And at the time, uh, the World of Warcraft, which was one of the first massively multiplayer online worlds, there's a phenomenon called gold farming, where they had people mm. in internet cafes and places in the world that were just playing the game all day long they were like 20 hours a day just going around killing monsters and accruing the gold that would that they would accrue and then they would go to eBay and they would sell that gold they put they figured know. out ways yeah. to work around that <laughs> and this this doesn't seem to – because then people would go and they would buy it uh, and then they would go and they would buy their 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 special pony you know whatever <laughs> whatever it was their special armor virtual upgrade po- armor you know, upgrade. their armor yeah. upgrade. There you go. Um, and so they were they were finding a way to translate real world. I mean, it's not that different than Bitcoin. Bitcoin is works exactly in that way. This is like it's valuable because we say it's valuable, and now it's become really valuable because lots of people say it's valuable, I am. and and people will buy it and turn it into money. That there's been a whole sector of the economy mm-hmm. built around that. It's, That's to right. me, it's like yeah. Beanie Babies, but and I don't get it. But Anna, you you have some thoughts on crypto?
1: <laughs> um, no, actually, a friend of mine uh, in Costa Rica had found a loophole in one of these games. I'm not going to name it. Uh, I'm just going to say in one of these games where he's found ways to park his money in these game in this game, and he actually mm-hmm. has a better inflation hedge than if he had it just sitting in his in the bank account here in Costa Rica. Isn't that crazy? Wow! And so it's so much better. Because by the time it's ready, he can, you know, a year from now, the, mm-hmm. the way the game is set up, they're not, inc- they're not counting, accounting for inflation, I think, or there's like a missing piece in this game where if he, he's found out a way to put it's not in depreciating. cash, yeah, it's not depreciating. Mm-hmm. And
0: well, so. I, mean, I have an old friend uh, that works at one of these companies uh, that um, that person was going to come on and talk to us, but lawyers are no fun uh and so they wouldn't wouldn't let her but lawyers ruin everything yes uh but the it was this idea of you have this platform where people can build new things into the world and they can get the money and then they can turn that into real money on the outside but it's like how is that how is that virtual money tied to like the the real economy. That's the really interesting thing about this.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like another pioneer in this space was Second Life. I remember hearing this mm-hmm. these stories oh, yeah. of people building beautiful houses, mansions, or whatever in Second Life, and then they and would sell, sell it. it. Yeah.
0: There and were some like, bad neighborhoods in Second Life. <laughs> there were oh some my God. bad, That's That's bad true. neighborhoods <laughs> in Second Life. Let's just leave it there. But, but yes-
1: yeah and <laughs> <laughs> can you not, <laughs> Larry? <laughs> um, but I remember hearing a story of how, like a second life home sold for two hundred thousand dollars, and that was like the biggest sale at that point on internet history, I think it was for a video game or virtual game or I something along those lines. um and it was just like, wow, and this was this wasn't too long ago. I mean, it was in the early two thousands when this was happening um or maybe mid 2000s. So it's only going to get exponentially better slash worse uh, as people get more (laughs) involved. Uh, I mean, people are living more online than ever before. So it only makes sense that some of these virtual cohabitations or games are going to be a big part of, of their life. And putting a little bit of money to make your home your second home your virtual home comfortable or whatever it doesn't seem that much of a stretch you know especially because i feel another reason why there's an uptick here is because there's a huge rise in minimalism and a lot of people just don't want to click things or they they're living in smaller spaces now where if they want the cute little kitty cat they can't really do that effectively but they can go online and get that that, that same sort of companionship. Um, in an hey, I'm all setting. about the
2: virtual pets. I'm I'm really tired of cleaning up after physical pets. So yeah, <laughs> you, got let's, let's you got the <laughs> oh, dad job. You got the dad job in that, huh? Yeah, I, I'm ready for virtual pets. Let's do it. Let's but do it. So it was interesting.
0: There was a, there beyond the sort of the virtual. This is even sort of happening in the real world to an extent with celebrities and sports figures. Uh, a lot of these 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 tokens are being issued based on, and it's really people trying to buy a little bit of a future of fame. Right. And even in a very literal way, there was a recent, I'm not a sports guy. Uh, you know, if you're watching the video, you can probably see why I'm not big on running. Uh, but the, but the, the, uh, there was a a professional baseball player who recently signed this record setting contract. Uh, and Early, like a few years ago, when he was in the minor leagues, there's a there's almost like a venture capital firm that's betting on a percentage of future earnings on these people. They they will pay them an amount of money for a percentage. Yeah, of, I remember and, that. And they're and they're going to get paid like thirty million dollars uh, of of this massive contract over his over his lifetime in the major leagues. That's not at all unlike the way that venture capital works. Or, you know, mm-hmm. other, other totally. know, sort of early sp- land speculation.
2: Yeah. People are starting to invest in people. It's interesting. And not the potential. way that we w- we might hope.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. not, not as mercenary, yeah, they're, but
2: they're, they're, they're not doing that. They're not in. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, that's my business. Why aren't companies investing in their people? But anyway, that's a whole different conversation.
0: But it kind of comes down in a weird way to, um, status you know it's it's like people think it think a virtual currency is important because other people think it's important people think that mm. this sports star or this rock star is important you know like th- that's really what it comes down to it's all monkey brain
2: totally is yeah twitter's exploring this new bondization i've been I just found out about it before the show so we'll have to see what it actually entails i don't clearly have the full picture of it cuz somebody jumped to its defense um but yeah, paying for access to somebody that has a large following on Twitter, being able to have like you know access to restricted tweets or content that they don't share with anyone but their premium fans or whatever it might be. And it's all about fame, popularity. I mean, and it's happening with Clubhouse too. It's very interesting. So as soon as somebody famous says, "I'm starting a room right now," it's like hundreds of thousands of people want to get in. And who knows, they may say nothing useful whatsoever. I was watching, there was one day, I think Mark Hamill, I think he tweeted like a one word thing, like, wow, or something. And I was like, it had 50,000 likes. I was like, what? <laughs> I love Mark Hamill, but it's like, what? Seriously? He could just say, wow, and get 50,000 likes. Of course. Of course he can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, it reminds me of the Yo app uh, from back in the day. which just did one thing. <laughs> yeah. just, like, yeah. just set it just said yeah, yeah, it, said yeah. a yo. But it really comes down to like influence and where, like if you're creating something that people like, and the world has gotten massive, like there's 8 billion, 7 billion people in the world now. twenty um,
2: billion, yeah.
0: And, but it's also gotten smaller with these platforms you know people that are i mean there's crazy stuff on twitter and tiktok and you can find an audience if you're working hard enough and you're being creative enough and i guess that's a bit of the upside is that yeah the barrier to entry is so low uh anybody can set up an account and if you get enough of a following um it sounds cheesy but like you can actually get paid for stuff that you create and that's interesting So we'll see where it goes. I'm not ready to uh,
2: mortgage my house. You're not going to take your retirement and dump it into it.
0: Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not going to go buy some dudes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to go long on, on mad dog and his animations, (laughs) not mortgaging the house for that. You're
2: you're breaking his heart, man. You're breaking his heart. Uh, He'll have to work for nine minutes tomorrow to make another 4 million. (laughs) Yeah. Poor mad dog. (laughs) And if you'd like, uh, you know,
0: but we are auctioning off, uh, you know, this episode oh no. by the millisecond.
1: So,
2: uh, you know, yeah. If you want a shout out, if you want a shout out, let us yeah. know. Well, we as, accept Bitcoin.
1: As the resident <laughs> content marketer, I have been tasked the lovely job of figuring out what we're doing with our Patreon, uh, along with trying to unify some of our Twitter accounts. What is it? Are we? Uh, we're not we brave workforce one anymore, are we? We're brave new else. ideas we were
2: <laughs> we're not that either i figure. got fired
1: <laughs> yeah trip has been officially uh, kicked off it? the castle chair uh the crown chair
0: yeah we've oh, decided. Gosh. you know you've you, they they kick people out uh, they get demonetized on youth. I, there you you know are. anna's been tasked
2: it. with monetizing yeah so our bnwf podcast at BNWF podcast on Twitter, the on Brave Twitter. New Workforce awesome. podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it's a bit, it's a slightly better name than what we had before. <laughs> it was awesome. Except for the one.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, no, it yeah. was not brave new ideas. It's not even on brand. What is this?
2: <laughs> I'm not that kind yeah, of yeah I, I think we'll have things like, so if you're listening, we actually recording video of this. Um, so it's kind of a behind the scenes look at Anna, her cat, her food, trip and his cool artwork behind him with Captain Kirk. Uh, I have nothing to show you, but anyway. He a bookcase. uh, And if you sponsor us at the $500 level, they'll turn off my camera. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You guys would probably love that. Um, But that's the kind of content I think we'll start putting up on the Patreon, but more behind the scenes and better access and you can talk with us. If there's something you'd like us to talk about or cover, let us know. We love hearing from you.
0: So if you'd like to buy thousands of milliseconds of brave new workforce footage. (laughs) Anna, where can they reach us?
1: Oh gosh. There's a website called thebravenewworkforce.com. We need to
0: put that on the list of things to update too. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. I need, I have a whole list. I have a whole list, but you know, like I said, like Trip said earlier, this is our, this is our little hobby here. Hobby. So we <laughs> we're still in the process of getting things organized. Um however it's, act- it's
2: actually the brave workforce.com.
1: I said that the brave workforce You
2: said Brave New Workforce. <laughs> oh
1: God. <laughs> we need uh, to fix that too eventually, I swear. Let's just
2: buy all those domains. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We should just do <laughs> BNWFpodcast.com. It's so much easier. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, And you can also email me at Anna at the brave workforce.com. We look forward to hearing you from you and trip. Well, you I no always idea. forget this part. You no, I know it. I just can't
0: figure out a clever way to say it. Come on, Trip. So this way, this, okay. So <laughs> why uh, is this
1: even our tagline? Who agreed on that? That's the worst.
2: It just it happened organically. Now
1: it it's happened over.
0: organically. It's it's my one thing.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay.
2: Although Trip has so, locked it down with blockchain, so yeah, it's
0: it's ours now. It's my one thing, Anna. And as long as we've got, we're putting one foot in front of the other. Better days are ahead. Days are ahead. Hell
1: yeah! Woo!